1: What's up, Datables? Welcome to another episode of Datable, a show all about modern dating where we like to dig into the whys of people's behavior (laughs) and why they say the things that they say. We are in the off season officially. Mm -hmm. We just wrapped season 12. It does not mean the content stops. It just means that we're taking a little break to figure out what season 13 looks like for you all. Is there a theme? Who are the experts we want to bring in? Mm -hmm. What are the stories we want to touch upon? But in the off season, we still have these regular episodes for you of bonus content.
0: Yes, we never stop. Never sleep over here. But happy Pride, UA.
1: Happy Pride. That's right.
0: Well, the episode you're about to listen to is we actually did a live stream last week all about Pride. And it was so freaking amazing. We decided to turn it into this bonus episode. This was not on our agenda, but it was in the moment. We're like, this is way too good. It needs to get shared with the rest of the world that might not be in the Facebook group. Or we also did a live stream on YouTube. That was fun. We had a false start, though. We, we did. We did. We we had some uh, technical glitches. You and I were live for like 10 minutes and no one could see us. So <laughs> good times. When it was live. actually <laughs> really hilarious.
1: We went live and Julie and I were like turning up the energy. Yeah. And then our guest came on and he was like, I don't think we're live. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it, was, it was like one of those epic moments that doing this for five years, you're just like, how the fuck did we do that? But we managed to.
1: It's bound to happen. I was
0: like, I'm going to blame it on Facebook's uh, new user interface because they changed it. But it was probably a user error. Probably forgot to just hit that button that says go live.
1: It's bound to happen. <laughs> We've never gone live on YouTube before. It's bound to happen. Yeah, but
0: we somehow messed it up on YouTube and Facebook, which was the best. Whatever.
1: It doesn't matter.
0: It doesn't matter. We weren't
1: live and then we did. We were not the
0: stars of the show anyways. (laughs) So the stars of the show, they really, like, everything. I just walked away from that, just being like, holy shit, I feel like I learned so much. I feel so much more, like, connected to all people in our community. And, you know, I think a big part of this was, like, how can we all be allies? Whether you're in the LGBTQ community or not, how can you be an ally? And we were lucky enough to have one of our hosts and moderators, Ryan, and his boyfriend, who we met during COVID, who has now joined the group Matt. also, Matt, who I love so much. He's just the most adorable. So sweet. And he is now a dateable listener also. We're like, that's what you do. You find your person, then you both become dateable listeners, and you stay dateable <laughs> together. This and is the evolution.
1: Stay in the family with exactly. us. Exactly.
0: Because staying dateable does not end after you're not single. But we had the two of them, and then they also – we. I think one of the things that I'm really glad Ryan and Matt pushed for was intersectionality. So they really made it like that we need to have a lot of diverse representation. And I think I just like never fully registered it until they said it. But they were like, when people think of LGBTQ, they think of Gay men.
1: Gay men, yeah. Gay
0: white men, specifically. Mm -hmm. And they were like, while that is some people, it is definitely not the colors of the rainbow. It is not representing everyone. So They really made a stance to be like, we need to include people of different ethnicities and races. We need to include people of, you know, that are bisexual, that are asexual, like genderqueer. Like like, we really hit it all, which was amazing. So I really want to just like give Ryan and Matt another shout out for just like really making that push to do this because I think it was so important. And they brought it up that the theme of pride this year is a lot with intersectionality.
1: It was really enlightening for us because our mission for Datable is to provide a platform for people to tell their stories. And in no way, shape or form can Julie and I even represent a sliver of the LGBTQ community. So we tapped into Ryan and Matt and, and tr- you know, Basically gave them this responsibility (laughs) of holding something that was way bigger than we imagined, because I think, uh, admittedly, I also thought, well, as long as we have gay men represented, Mm. we're good right they can talk about pride and they really pushed us and said ladies we got to get more <laughs> representation here we cannot be the only people talking about our community cuz there's so many different facets of who we are and it touched upon like kind of my own feelings about Asian American community when people feel like they have one Asian American representing mm-hmm. on a panel they think they've rep- checked off the box and that's right. not the case there're just so many voices out there so n- this Panel or this discussion that we had was also not all inclusive. Obviously, we can't be mm-hmm. all inclusive, everyone, but we try to get as much diversity as possible.
0: Yes. I mean, I, again, I walked away learning so much. I'm not going to even like start to go into all the learnings because I don't want to like distract from what all these people are about to say, the knowledge bombs. But I just think the, in the sentiment in that live stream, just like, I felt so like warm and fuzzy afterwards. And I think all the people that participated did as well. I feel like just the general consensus of people in the community being like, wow, that was so well spoken. Wow, I never thought about it that way. Wow, like, I'm learning something new. Like, that is what being datable is about. And like you said, Yue, like, you and I bring a heteronormative perspective. Mm-hmm. And while datable is definitely open to all voices, like, we can only go so. So far. So I think having the platform open that we could all continue to learn and like really stay true to our community, which is the dateable community, in addition to all the subset communities.
1: Something we really want to push for all of our listeners to do is to be more open minded to episodes mm-hmm. that when you look at the title, you think it mm. does not apply to you. We see it in our numbers. Some of the more <laughs> fr- fringe episodes don't get as many listens, probably because you look at the title and you're like, I, this doesn't yep. have anything to do with me. I can guarantee you these episodes will, will probably teach you more than the episodes that you can relate to because you are looking at this from a completely different perspective. And psychologically, they always say if you want to look at something, if you're stuck in something and if you want to get a fresh perspective, look at it upside down. You literally go upside down, look at it. This is how I see these episodes. You're looking at dating from an upside down view and it can give you more perspective and more insights. So we highly encourage you to look, go back to all the episodes that you skipped because you didn't think it related to you. Go back and re-listen because I bet you'll find some really great learnings from those.
0: Yeah, and it gives you empathy. I think that was the biggest thing I took away from it, too. Because like, I think all of us struggle with identity, right? But I think a lot of people in the LGBTQ community really struggle with identity, because you're basically we we mm. talked about this, like you you live in a heteronormative world. That's what you see on TV. That's like the, you know, what you're supposed to fit into this box. And I can see why it's really challenging when you're like, I don't fit into this box. Like, what do I do from here? And that is like a lot of Self development. And while, yeah, like everyone has some self development, I definitely think by hearing the stories of the members that spoke, it really just like put in perspective, like how much like journey people go on to like be their authentic selves. And I think that's something everyone can take away.
1: Think about it this way we can all relate to not being the identity that society tells you you should be. Mm -hmm. Me as a 40 year old, my identity should be Mm -hmm. a married mother of two, and I'm not. It's the same thing because the default is oh at a certain age at a certain stage in life you should be this thing but we live in a world where you can be anything and we just mm-hmm. have to get rid of all those default settings and this really level sets our mindset when it comes to default setting
0: anyways this was we're gonna like so we'll, good. we're not gonna keep going because we just need to pass it over to them for <laughs> continued so on but there's just so much good in this so super excited
1: i'm really really excited for this something i've been doing recently. So uh, moving on to the next topic, before <laughs> we talk too much about the topic we're about to talk about, <laughs> is uh, something I'm really into lately is dreams. I've talked about this before, you know, I kept tr- track of my dreams for a couple months. But recently, I listened to this one, um, another podcast. I know, I know. I listened cheating to podcast. On us. Just
2: <laughs> Cheating on us. <laughs> <It's> and, <okay. laughs>
1: and this podcast is all about why your brain doesn't stop working when you're asleep. In fact, fact your brain is consistently trying to work on your real world Mm. problems when you're asleep and that's why you should pay attention to your dreams because they may offer solutions to your real life problems so i've been keeping track of all my dreams for the last couple months and i'm going to start uh organizing the dreams into categories and making sense of them but i i I can already see there's one theme that has already resolved a problem for me in my work life that I've already implemented. So I'm highly encouraging you all and you too, Julie, just as soon as you wake up, just try to remember what is the last dream you had. I can guarantee you in like three months, you can see a theme and then it can maybe help you solve something.
0: Interesting. I mean, I have so many questions, but first of all, this could be the unlocking of, you know, why we're in whatever state we are, whatever flocks we are with our relationships and dating lives. So I think that's super fascinating i've had some really fucked up dreams so i'd yes! love to know like where they come from but you ain't don't leave me hanging like how did it help you i need to know
1: oh my gosh so it's uh, so your dreams are from the subconscious and they're without your feelings and emotions your your brain is not filtering your dream so your dreams are kind of like the free-for-all and it's kind of scary sometimes right that's why some Some of us have these really fucked up dreams, but I'm starting to see this theme in my dreams where I see other people's happiness Mm. and I... Um, And then I transform myself into them. I, I don't know how to like best describe this, but I would observe someone's accomplishment or celebration from a third party, from a third person perspective. And then by the end of the dream, I've transformed into that person. So that tells me that in my real life, I can't be so passive in observing mm. other people's accomplishments that I can become this myself. And if I believe that I can accomplish this, then I can live it and feel it instead of just dreaming it. And that's been a major light bulb moment for me.
0: That is so deep. I've had some dreams <laughs> where I've hooked up with people that I, I'm like, why? This oh. is not someone I would ever in real life. What does that mean?
1: I, I See, that I don't know. I have those <laughs> dreams too. Like I random can't. ass people. Yeah. Random ass people. I cheat on my boyfriend in my dreams. And in my dreams, I know I'm cheating on him. And I I had a dream that I I cheated on my boyfriend with like the UPS delivery guy. What and does the, that mean? <laughs> and the next day, this UPS guy came and I couldn't even look at him because I was like, what if, oh my God. what if I fall in love with this guy? Oh, my I don't God. know. Julie, I'm not a dream interpreter. That, that shit, I can't understand at all. But maybe that just means <laughs> that on the subconscious, that we have these different um, sexual curiosities. And it's not about the person we're hooking up with. It's just our brain is like, okay, well, in the subconscious, I'm not in a monogamous relationship, so I should go out and explore what it's like to be with other people.
0: Wow! So mine was before I was in a relationship, but it was with one of our past guests. I will not say who. Oh, <laughs> wait, <laughs> hold up! And I was like, I woke hold up. up. No, 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 no! Woke up, I'm not letting was you get away. Horrified! I was no, horrified. No, 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 no! I can't say it. I can't say it. I can't say it. I was so I horrified. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't want to put it on air. Okay. It obviously means nothing, but it was just like one of those moments that I woke up, and now everyone's going to be guessing, which is okay for fun all y'all <laughs> listening.
1: Can you please just screenshot this right now and DM us or tag us on Instagram with your guess of who Julie hooked up with in her in dream? Who was a past guest? Was it in the recent recent seasons? Just give us that.
0: No, it's digging back a few. It's oh. digging back a few. It was it was a weird dream, weird ass dream, and I woke up very disturbed. I'll just leave it at that. Anyways, let's move
1: on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you all see how Julie does this shit to me all the time? She'll be like, "I something happened, but I'm not. I can't say. I can't tell you anything. I'm just gonna leave you hanging. It's gonna drive me fucking." It's a nuts.
0: cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger.
1: I'm going to dream about it that's, tonight.
0: That's the whole point, is to drive you nuts. This is my whole master plan. My dream
1: will be about your dream tonight. Yeah. I'm, I'm putting that intention That is intention so meta. That is so meta. Super meta. <laughs> I, last night I had a dream that I, in my dream, I had. I had this. I did something to to my boyfriend. It wasn't sexual. We did had a conversation, <laughs> and then my second dream was that I told him about the dream I had. How how? And then you woke up, up in that? real and then I woke life. Up, and you told the and dream, then I about, told the dream. Him about the dream about the about dream about
0: the dream. <laughs> He's like, what the fuck?
1: He's <laughs> like, please go, please go away. Put away the vodka. <laughs> yeah. It's too early. He's He's like, go home. I you're can't, drunk. I
0: can't do this. I can't do this. It's <laughs> so like, funny. Can I just
1: leave me alone.
0: Okay, well, let's go from the dreams to the present. Have you noticed something different about me? UA?
1: Your hair looks fantastic. <laughs> I was gonna say it earlier.
0: I have been dying for a haircut like dying because okay, people that don't live in California, or maybe San Francisco, more specific, you probably have had no issues getting a haircut. I have been hitting up my person for like four months now. And she's like, Oh, yeah, I'll be back in May. I'll be back in June. I'll be back in nope. July. And eventually, I just went to someone else because I'm like, I can't anymore. Like my hair is a freaking like crazy person today. So yeah, I feel so much better.
1: What did you dye it too? Yes, I did. Yeah, it looks great. I was gonna say something earlier. Sorry, well, it was it
0: was pretty bad before. So it was like. <laughs> I was like, this is the longest I've been. So yes, it is much improved, but I am looking good. Not to toot my own horn, but I have a really good dinner tonight that I'm taking my boyfriend for his birthday to this like really nice restaurant that got only, has, only has three tables, this place. And it's just <gasps> to be like super creative, like the food, like it's all Ooh, a wow. theme. I don't know. I'll have to report back after. What's but it they- called? So the restaurant is called Merchant Roots. And they only have three tables. What? It's funny. I was like telling another friend about it. She's like, "I'm convinced there's a drug operation. How would they survive off three tables? Because i like I'm saying because it's like it's not cheap by any means, but it's not like so expensive either. Like it's, it's not like not, four
1: thousand dollars. No, a table. it's.
0: I mean, it's like uh, yeah, it's not crazy expensive. It's like not that much more than like another restaurant. And um, but it's like a tasting menu. They have like a theme. It's like a in bloom flower, so it's gonna be like a lot of like
1: <sighs> I love it and.
0: I guess they like decorate the whole area. So I'm gonna take a lot of photos and I'll tell you about it. Please but I'm very excited. Back. But the best part is I don't have to do my hair. And we're like getting dressed up, which is very exciting.
1: I love that. How fun. A romantic night out with the boo. Yeah,
0: we're also eating at five thirty PM early birthday. Yeah, special. okay. That's
1: the part we probably should tell people. It was it's also an AARP restaurant.
0: <laughs> well, they only have two seatings because they only have three tables. So you basically had five thirty <laughs> at 8 30 and the only option was outdoors because they the indoor was booked so i'm like maybe we should do 5 30 because it'll be warmer yeah and we went we went back and forth should we do 8 30 should we do because 8 30 is like a little late when you're outdoors in sf at least
1: it's fine you'll be there with ethel and bruce <laughs> <laughs> you're in good company People
0: listening are probably like this sounded really cool and now it sounds really fucking lame like what well, happened see-
1: I'm guessing this is one of those like multi-course. Oh yeah, yeah. It's things, like right?
0: s- eight courses. I like did not okay. eat If much you today. are
1: starting at 8:30, you would be done at midnight. Oh my god. Midnight. Yeah. You don't exactly. want that. Exactly.
0: We're like we want to go out and do stuff after.
1: Yeah. So you start at 5:30. We're going
0: to be out at 8:30. <laughs> they, I mean, you'll definitely be done by 8 cuz you they need to turn us if they the need table. a table. Yeah. That's true.
1: But you're but it's good because at least afterwards you can just like digest versus I hate going home home from a full meal and then you go that. straight to bed yeah. it's just,
0: oh. that's what i was thinking of exactly exactly so okay you're helping me re-justify the 5 30 time this is exactly what was going through my mind at the beginning but then i was like did i make a mistake and should have booked 8 30 i'm still All secretly
1: good. judging just for fun <laughs> because you won't tell me who you slept with in your dream <laughs> so
0: even now, she's like, "I need to bring it back to that. I'm not gonna let this go."
1: Yeah, as soon, as, you guys, as soon as we stop recording, and we be like, "Who the fuck did you fuck? Who I'm did like, you photo? Ninety
0: percent photo, photo in Florida. Ninety um, percent sure. I already told you." Like when the dream happened. Like, I think I woke up and texted you. So I'm like 90% sure I'm not holding anything back from you. But, anyways, I'm trying to just keep our listeners on their toes. That's really what my ulterior motive is. (laughs) Maybe you need to do an Instagram poll, see what people respond. with their guess
1: I'm putting it up right now do you see me? I'm just literally oh putting it up right now <laughs> if if you had to guess who Julie is sleeping with okay
0: this is how rumors get started with who I'm sleeping with as a past guest in my dream like eight months ago <laughs>
1: Let's contrary to honest. popular belief Julie and I do not play that as a drinking game like who who would you fuck like who's a past guest we don't
0: we, we don't look should. at our guess that
1: Maybe we shouldn't tell
0: people no, if we no, do that. Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we shouldn't. You always like we never do this.
1: <laughs> we never do this. Grab your never, grab never, your tequila now. Never Let's talk never. about it. It's there's our subconscious is so fucking crazy, and I love it because it's the unfiltered <laughs> side of you. So for anybody who who works like in law, who works in oh, yeah. education, you need to just listen to your dreams because that's like the the wild side of who you are. The, the authentic side. The authentic.
0: Speaking of our subconscious filter, should we read this question that we got this week?
1: <laughs> I want to read this question every morning when I wake up, because it literally makes my day. (laughs) The best part is we usually try to keep them
0: in theme, but we're like, you know what? We're just going to throw this question out today. It is not in the pride theme whatsoever, but maybe it is. You know, everyone, you can make it work for you.
1: We love you all for sending in sex questions, because some of you think this is a sex podcast, which I personally take as a compliment (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> right, I learned that a couple weeks ago,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we these sex questions are just really good. But there's one in particular that we had to uh, really call out because it's it's probably the best sex question we've gotten. You all ready for this? Okay, whoever sent this in, we would love to. We'd love to know. This is Someone only sent it in anonymously. This second, this is
0: second to the dick pic we got once. That will always we be the number is, one.
1: And that was not a question. It was a statement. <laughs> she was like, "I received a dick dick pic. I just." also
0: i just want to clarify it wasn't like a listener's dick it was like a listener's dates dick like three dicks removed (laughs) three dicks
1: aren't we all three dicks removed like whoever you're dating who's like that
0: is a deep question that is
1: a deep (laughs) (laughs) i know a dick who knows a dick who knows this dick six degrees of seven kevin bacon And three dicks removed (laughs) from anybody you date, man or woman. So, so here's the question. Anonymous question. No, no joke here. This person asks: Is sex better with socks on? Okay. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I okay, I don't
0: want no judgment. I'm trying not to judge the question. I'm laughing, but I'm no judgment.
1: Is sex better with socks on? Okay, but we wanted to validate this question because we were like, is this a joke? We really thought, is this a joke or is this a legitimate question? So we Googled it. It is like one of the most Google questions on really the interwebs, is. guys. Why is, I have never thought about it
0: either way. Have you ever like, has it even crossed your minds? Julie,
1: I've, it has crossed <laughs> (laughs) my mind when the guy i've slept with kept his socks on i'm like what the fuck why are why are your socks on you're naked with socks on that is very unattractive what if that happened
0: what if you're just in the moment and you forget to take your socks off
1: okay I'm pretty sure taking <laughs> off your pants takes a lot more effort than taking your socks off. Come on, dude, this is like not cool. I don't know.
0: Maybe there's like a kink fetish of keeping your socks on. Like you know, like sometimes it's like hotter when you like keep like a bra on.
1: Maybe keeping your socks. a bra is sexy. Keeping your panties if, on. What if that's you got, sexy. like
0: mesh, like like mesh socks?
1: <laughs> Nylon <laughs> socks. That's <laughs> not thinking, like, you know, like, you know, nylon socks that you were under low yeah. <laughs> Like. That hey. hot.
0: If. You know, it could be, like, the rainbow for pride. You could go, like, you could celebrate all different things.
1: I would love to ask <laughs> all my friends who are celebrating pride if they would think rainbow <laughs> socks would be so hot. Glitter socks? socks what about glitter socks? <laughs> what it, The only sexy socks I can think of are no socks. Okay.
0: Like, <laughs> I don't care if you have socks or not. I'm not thinking of, like, I, it just wouldn't phase me either way. I don't, I don't think I'd even... Find notice that's like first of all like it probably wouldn't even cross my mind
1: i mean you, you, if I, why don't you try it out tonight and let <laughs> me know if you if you notice or not it's very noticeable to me if there's a freaking naked body with just socks on that is very noticeable. maybe
0: i'm not as observant as you
1: <laughs> you would also feel it that's true I don't
0: know. That could feel nice if they were, like, soft socks. Maybe this is a good thing. Soft
1: socks or, like, socks with, like, massaging things on the – massaging beads. I don't know. I mean, the fact that it's a
0: very popular Google question, I feel like there's more that we're missing.
1: I do wonder if it's a functionality (laughs) thing. Better grip, right? Like, with those socks.
0: Like, with those, like, little, like, grippies at the bottom.
1: (laughs) You know yeah, like, like grip onto the back <laughs> grip onto the back of someone's calves i don't know it like it gives you better friction is it like yeah is it better grip is it like if you're cold and um you know instead of like the heat ex- escaping through your feet now all the heat can go to your vagina and your genitals <laughs> maybe there's something with that i don't i don't know we need to do more research
0: Yes. Before we move on, because I know we've, we've hammered oh, this no. whole No, I do want to just, on. like, I want to say, like, obviously someone wrote in this question. Obviously it's a Googled question. Like, let's just take maybe a second to think of, like, why this would be good. Like, why would someone want to do this? Can you think of anything outside of the grip idea that you had? Let's just assume it's normal socks.
1: Yeah. I mean, it could be one of those things where someone does have a foot fetish. Mm. So you're covering the one coveted bottom okay. part. So it okay. could be all sexy. Or it's like a strip kind of thing. Like keep the socks on until you're <laughs> ready to strip it all off. And then you're fully naked. So it's, it's like could a also, could, Yeah. I mean, maybe that could be a game or you you multi-purpose the socks, like take it off and use it as like, um, <laughs> I don't know, bl- blindfolds <laughs> or <laughs> handcuffs.
4: If
0: someone took their like sweaty foot sock <laughs> and put it on- My eyes, like, no, that would do it for me. I don't care if they keep their socks on, but don't put it as a blindfold for me. Like, that's where I draw the line. I
1: will will bet you a million dollars if someone's into that. (laughs) <laughs> foot stink in their eye I'm sh- okay. someone's into it
0: I think we've officially beat this topic to death if you are into socks if you are down with socks please let us know maybe there's something obvious that we're missing the only thing I could think of is it's like sometimes it gets cold at night and you want to like warm your feet I don't know
1: right but how does that make <laughs> sex better the question is is sex better with socks it's not like, are you warmer with socks? <laughs> <You know?
0: laughs> well, if you're not cold, maybe it would make sense. I don't know. Now I'm like pulling. But anyways, let's move on to some announcements because I don't know how we, can, how much more yeah, we can go. I really hope expensive. we helped you
1: with that, whoever sent that question in. <laughs> I'm gonna do have to do some research. I know this one stumped us, guys. This one stumped us. It really stumped, and very few questions stump us, but this one in particular. We're gonna do some investigative research for that one. Okay, Okay. moving on.
0: Quick announcements. Well, definitely follow us on Instagram. We've been growing like crazy on Instagram. You obviously want to take this poll that's about to go out. So definitely, obviously, if there's no better time to follow us on Instagram, it's right now. So at Dateable Podcast, you can find us there. We also to put up really beautiful inspirational quotes. We have um, funny quotes. We have clips of our past guests, all sorts of fun things on Instagram. You're
1: really selling it, Julie. (laughs) I think people know what an Instagram account usually has. She's like, and then we have videos. (laughs) And Sometimes we have Sometimes
0: we put a photo of the two of us up
1: there. (laughs) Sometimes we have reels. Shit. <laughs> shit gets crazy on you the know? ig yeah keeping you guys on your toes <laughs> oh
0: anyways <With> socks. anyways <laughs> socks. Oh my God.
1: that um, should be our next post just socks just socks sucks that's it okay All then right, we'll know it.
0: then we'll know who really listens that will yes. be the true test Uh um, Our other announcement, you know, join Love in the Time of Corona. Eventually, we're going to have to change that name. But Love in the Time of Corona is our Facebook group. Love in the Time of Corona by the Datable podcast is what you search for. This is our public group. This is where some of the live streams happen. This is where you can, you know, connect to your fellow datables, the datable listeners. There's a lot of datable meetups happening lately. Freaking amazing. There was one in Philly the other week. Chicago is happening. DC uh, rally. There was one a rally. The oh, there was there. Wow. Yeah. Um, New York still happening. New, New York York's they still do, happening. Like, regular they, ones. Yep. There's all sorts – I mean, yeah, LA, a bunch have happened. There's also a a bunch of people flying out to San Francisco to meet up from all over in September. So this, this is amazing. We love it. We love seeing you all connect with each other. And the way that people are connected is because they form deep bonds in the sounding board. That's really been the root of a lot of the people that are organizing these. A lot of these people have been each other's, like, covid confidants and you know like the confidants through this entire like their entire dating process really each other's sounding boards so check out slash sounding board if you kind of want to take things to the next level we have a great community in there and yeah
1: only good things
0: to say about everyone in there
1: (laughs) only good things.
0: let's do a quick message from our sponsor
1: This episode is brought to you by Z-Man Games, an array of fun games for adults, one of which is called Love Letter. Now, in this card game, your goal is to win the heart of the noble princess who is looking for an ideal partner and confidant to help with her royal duties when she one day assumes the throne. Your goal is to enlist the characters in the castle to deliver your love letter while keeping other players' letters away. It's trickier than it sounds. Powerful cards lead to early gains, but make you a target and rely on weaker cards for too long and your letter may be tossed in the fire. I find it to be a fun and nice 20 minute mental break during the day. This two to six player card game fits in your pocket so you can take it with you anywhere. Love Letter is appropriate for ages 10 and up and is available for $11.99 through Z-Man Games. You can find it at Target, your local game store, or directly through Z-Man's web store. to ViaHemp.com and use a code datable to receive 15% off and one free sample of their Sleepy Dream gummies. That's ViaHemp.com and use the code D A T E A B L E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with High Love from ViaHemp.
2: At Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
0: Okay, so shall we turn it over to Ryan and Matt and all of our special guests to talk all about intersectionality and pride.
1: Happy Pride! We are so excited to be here for our special live Yay. Pride edition. Happy Pride, everyone! What what are we doing here? We are celebrating Pride, but I think we also need to understand why we celebrate pride and why it's important for us to understand the history of pride. And we are leaving it up to people who are part of the LGBTQ community to talk about their own experiences and really enlighten us with the things that we probably don't understand. Like as, as straight heteronormative women that we are, I'm just speaking for Julie and I, there's a whole other community that we are not part of. But we want to understand even more. And that's why we want to celebrate this community. And we want to celebrate all of our listeners who are part of the LGBTQ plus community. Exactly.
0: And we are so honored that we have Ryan and Matt who are going to be leading the charge on the live stream. But we also have a ton of special guests from the community. So everyone can hear a bunch of folks' unique experiences and stories. And the goal of this is really to like understand why do we celebrate Pride and become the allies that we all can be and support each other because that's what dateable really means
1: so shall we bring <laughs> on our dateable couple
0: let's do oh, it all right right yes we have a dateable couple so who who better to lead the charge here without further ado let's turn it over to uh matt and ryan
1: yay here
2: they and come here
5: they
0: are
5: hey <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us for this special live broadcast of our uh, Pride coverage here. Basically, we really wanted to, um, when Julie and UA asked me if I'd be willing to do something like this, obviously my response was yes, but (laughs) always a yes, but, Um, and then I went and talked to Matt. She asked if Matt would like to join for it as well. And the first thing that Matt said to me was,
6: as long as you make it intersectional,
5: yeah. So that was kind of a big thing. We really wanted to make sure that we had a broad scope of people that we were able to join, speak their different intersectionalities and really kind of bring some of that uh, openness that we really have in the LGBTQ plus community to the table here. So really it's about shared experiences, understanding one another and how not just from outside of the community, but even within the community, we can do more in our allyship to each other. Because ultimately, civil rights fights are not just for one aspect of that uh, LGBTQ plus community. Throughout the history of it, it's really been, you know, so much crossovers. It's, it's really a, a, a constant fight for what we can all have uh, equality together for eventually. So, (laughs) and that comes through that understanding of each other's intersectionality. So the first thing we really wanted to cover on it was a little bit of LGBTQ plus history. And unfortunately, it is a little bit skewed towards American history on that. So sorry to some of our international friends here. But the big thing that we really wanted to touch on here is how LGBTQ plus history is not usually just isolated to fighting for our rights. It's usually coupled with civil rights uh, fights in general. In general. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of just start by touching on um, women's suffrage and women's activism in the U.S., which is really kind of a big part of LGBTQ plus history that's overlooked. A lot of the active members of the women's rights movements were actually members of the lesbian community or the genderqueer community, um, women who slept with women. And that is kind of a big portion of where their fight for independence or liberation from men, you know, having autonomy for themselves came from. I mean, yes, it was a lot of housewives as well. It was a lot of um, married women um, wanting to be represented as well. But there were a lot of leading members of that movement that were part of the lesbian community. So one of those big members was Jane Addams. A lot of people are really familiar with this person. Um, She founded the Hull House, which actually housed a lot of immigrants from all over the world. That actually brought her in with a lot of communities. So she really kind of was a driving force for this uh, women's rights movement. She was someone who constantly fought not just for women's rights, but all women's rights. The women's rights movement actually had a tendency to sometimes skew towards just white women, after the passing of the 15th Amendment, they were left out of uh, right to vote during that. So they really re towards that and kept it uh, as an inclusive thing so that when women's suffrage 19th Amendment passed in 1920, they were able to uh, make sure that it was for all women, not just specific women. Moving into Stonewall, things a little more current, um, we've had a lot of problems with Hollywood representing it as a bit of a whitewash, even a, lot, a large backlash towards a, uh, I believe it was 2015 film, um, because most of the characters were represented as white men, uh, cisgendered men. However, a lot of the characters that were active in that actual historic event were a lot of black trans women and a lot of trans men and women just in general, genderqueer women and men. So it was unfairly represented in that historical recanting of it. Marsha P. Johnson, Silvia uh, Rivera, uh, members like that were just not shown for the characters that they were. And these are people who went on fighting for LGBTQ plus rights after that so it's interesting that that's an odd thing that we're not seeing with history
6: right and of course the first pride parade was the year after stonewall and every year after that on june 29th to commemorate the anniversary of stonewall to spearhead gay liberation and i think it's interesting how pretty much throughout history pride events have taken on a different fight in each portion of history so In 1970, you had the celebration of Stonewall, gay liberation, basically being able to be seen in public, be gay, repealing of sodomy laws that in some states were still around. And then throughout the 80s and early 90s, you had a turn towards addressing the HIV AIDS epidemic, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit later. And then, you know, in the 1990s to 2000s, it was all about marriage. And now that we have that past, we're starting to be better about being intersectional, about really focusing on the members of our community who need the most attention, who are the most structurally marginalized groups. So pride every year takes on a different meaning, but still links back to the history that we have throughout history pretty much. Right. And so that was
5: kind of the big thing. Um, Even with like women's rights movement um, with members like Jane Addams and other members of that community, they set aside lesbian rights and coupled it in with just women's rights in general and women's autonomy in general. And then we have current day things such as like the Black Lives Matter movement. I think Pride last year um, really took a shift to try and help support a lot of the black members of the community, because it was such a pivotal time for us to set forward and do that. And that's why it's so key in, in LGBT history, because it's not just one person's fight. It's such a wide arcing rainbow that we're all included under. And it's such a key thing for us to, to really keep focusing on that intersectionality, learning about each other and understanding each other so that we can all work together towards that common goal. So that brings us probably into our first guest, uh, guest here, which is going to be Brian. Everybody knows him and loves him as the most dateable. So I think now would be a great time to go ahead and bring him on in.
7: Hello, everyone. Ryan hey, Brian. How's it going?
5: So um, something that we didn't do when we first started was and we're going to do this all the way throughout is we're going to really kind of allow everyone to represent themselves the way that they want to freely represent themselves here. It is a safe and comfortable space. So as everyone knows, I'm Ryan. Hi, I identify as he, him, and I am a cisgendered gay male.
6: Uh, Matt, my pronouns are he, him, and I am also a cisgendered gay male.
5: Okay, and we've now welcomed in Brian. Um, I'm going to hand the floor over to you to speak
7: freely. Thank you, Ryan, Matt, and also thank you for organizing this. This is an amazing thing that we're doing, um, and it's great recognition, I think, for the queer people uh, in the datable community um, who are listening and you know want to hear more voices as well. My name is Brian. For those of you who don't know, I am a cis gay man, um, and I use he/him pronouns as well. Yeah, I wanted to just talk a little bit about kind of what Pride means to me and kind of where I'm at with my journey. I talked a little bit about this in my episode on healing your dating wounds, but for me, pride really means a time to celebrate us. As queer people, we don't always have the permission, unfortunately, to celebrate us. And pride is the one time of the year that we are kind of given that. It's a time to acknowledge the progress we've made and specifically all of the fighting that past generations have done so that we can have the rights and freedoms we have today. It's also a time to reflect on what our generation uh, needs to do in order to keep pushing the agenda so that future generations can continue to have even more freedoms and rights as the movement moves on. For me, Understanding what pride is and what it means to me has been a slow journey. I was raised in the Catholic Church in a very conservative part of the U.S., as many have been. Yeah. <laughs> and in, in that kind of background, you don't hear the most positive messages. Um, gay was synonymous with cancer. It was synonymous with sin, immoral. Um, a lot of things, messages were given to me at a young age, That really impacted not just how I viewed queer people, but how I really viewed myself. And this was also further impacted. um, I'm a parent of an immigrant, so there's a lot of expectation around specifically being a man and what that means with carrying on family traditions, carrying on family names. And so there was a lot of, I guess you could say, walls into my coming out process. And while it's easy to sort of focus on those things as derogatory, in a lot of ways, it did help me come to understand who it is I eventually want to become. So you'll hear this kind of talked about a lot in queer spaces, but there's often this journey of how do we become our authentic self? Because we spend so much time in our youth being someone else, because that's what we kind of have to do to pass. But it's not usually until we're adults and usually as well until we have a little bit of therapy that we really understand what it means to live (laughs) as an authentic self. And really, I just wanted to lay that out as a little bit of my journey yeah. And specifically kind of talk a bit about where I'm at now, which is with what it means to be an ally. I think oftentimes with allyship, it's a bit of a buzzword it's thrown around in politics um it's thrown around on social media, but those who aren't really in the advocacy space probably don't know too much about allyship when I first started really meeting other people in the community, not just gay people but Also, bisexual people, pansexual people, and even more recently, trans and non binary people. It was a process. It is a process. And for me, allyship really means being willing to learn, being willing to listen, and being willing to take a step back and show up for others. So, even as queer people, we don't always have, we don't always know everything. We have to do our own education ourselves. And I think that's something that I would really like to hit home on is. A lot of people listening to this are going to be straight. And you may be wondering, well, how can I show up for my queer friends, uh, my gay friends, my lesbian friends, my trans friends? Showing up for me really means being authentic and trying to make that connection. So it's really easy, for instance, to make a post or to like a status. But I would actually challenge people to go a little further than that. Strike up a conversation with someone who maybe is someone you wouldn't normally talk to try to see things from someone else's point of view. Maybe go to a listening forum at your university and learn about a topic that you're not familiar with that has to do with queer history or the queer experience. There are a lot of ways you can put yourself out there and show up for others in queer spaces and non-queer spaces. And I think that really is the first step to true authentic allyship. And that's something I wanted to communicate. Yeah, that's
5: super beautiful. And honestly, like. It's really interesting that you noted on, um, kind of like the self-loathing that's instilled within, you know, being raised. Catholic, because I definitely felt that myself. And even, you know, like you said, struggling with self-identity for the longest time. I can remember, you know, my parents even saying like, Oh, do you have a crush on this girl? You know, whatever. And like, of course, then you, you know, you're not even really sure of what's happening. So yeah, sure. Uh, Yeah, I've got a crush on that girl or whatever, you know, and you struggle with that so long. Um, that like it, it is kind of, that's the new thing is like trying to really find your place and your belonging. Right. So I, I think it's great that you're making that challenge because. It's honestly really... One of the biggest things that a lot of people can do is is helping making people feel welcome in in that space, um, allowing their friends and their family, whoever they are, to really kind of feel safe and and okay to be that person through that self identity, and and encouraging to understand that person more. It's really awesome. So yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that bit with us, Brian, and I think that that's great advice as well.
6: So I actually have a, a question for you, Brian, to um, you know just kind of keep it moving. So you talked about being your authentic self. And I I think that's a really important part of being a member of this community is really trying to find who you are. There are so many different facets. You mentioned therapy uh, as somewhat of a joke. But um, what steps have you taken to really come to terms with your own identity or your own sexuality? If there's any listeners that are in the closet or, you know, struggling to figure themselves out, what would you recommend for them? Yeah,
7: that's a really good question. And also a very Big question to answer um,
6: <laughs> in a short, compact. Yes, yes. Hmm.
7: It's interesting because my answer would change if I was a much younger person versus someone where I'm kind of at in my life stage now. For me, it's been a long process. So when I first came out, um, I was met with both kind of acceptance, but then a lot of not acceptance. My journey with acceptance really came back to my journey with myself. So I think when we throw on acceptance, we kind of, people generally think, oh, I need to come out to other people. I need other people to accept me. And that's really more of the surface value of it. While coming out to other people is an important step. Learning to come out to yourself, learning to be comfortable in your own skin, learning to challenge the derogatory negative things society and people have told you about yourself and really um, understand this internal battle that you've been fighting for so long, that's where the real work happens. Yeah, yeah, totally.
5: It definitely does. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think that that's a really amazing thing to suggest to people. And again, I think it really is just opening the floor for that communication to happen and and allowing people to to feel comfortable for that. So that is a a really great thing to present. I will uh, go ahead and allow for us to open up for our next guest. Brian, thank you so much for joining us and uh, sharing your experiences with us. It was really a privilege to have you on. Thanks. So our next guest is actually somebody who has been on the podcast before. Also a uh, quick plug for Brian. If you haven't checked out his episode, he did have an episode this season. Go check that out. It's really great. He talks on mental health and it's amazing. Our next guest is actually somebody who talks about something that Matt has kind of talked about at length in speech and debate. Cause Matt does a lot of, or did a lot of that in college. Um, I did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um,
6: he's going to touch on kind of the intersectionality between race and the LGBT community. Um, they haven't always had the best relationship, um, a perfect example is Bayard Rustin, who organized the March on Washington for MLK, but was largely cast out of the gay rights movement due to his sexuality. And then on the same side, you see a lot of racism by white gay men uh, expressed to other races um, in our community, unfortunately. And so our next speaker has a lot of experience and actually did a whole episode on it, I believe. Mm-hmm. So Yep.
5: Yeah, so let's go ahead and bring Chris in.
6: Hey, Chris. <laughs> hey.
5: Hey. How's it going? Looking good. Liking the uh, pride tank. Very Thanks. colorful. Target uh, pride <laughs> collection. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Right. <laughs> I got those rainbow ice cream cones on. You know, we're sporting it. Rainbow colors here. <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, joining us. I would love to go ahead and hand it over for you to um, let everyone know how you self-identify.
8: Yeah, great. So, yeah. And thanks so much for organizing this and, and leading this discussion. This is a super important discussion to have. Yeah. Well, uh, my name's Chris. I'm a uh, cis, a gay male, uh, preferred pronouns, he, him. And uh, as with, you know, with with Brian and Ryan and Matt, I also love celebrating pride. Um, I think it's super important, especially having come from a religious background as well, to be able to live life authentically and out loud and let people see that you can be a gay man and also the other things you know um, so it's it's really really great to, to celebrate pride every year but my celebration of pride has always been complicated by the fact that there as within society as a whole there's there's deep-seated uh, racism and, and and systemic biases in the gay community and it sort of reflects in in, in interesting ways um, so as I discussed in in my podcast episode gay men um, often are very frank about their sexual preferences. you know uh, you go on uh, grinder or, or scruff or any of the, the, the many apps and you're just barraged with with all these oh I like this and know this and know that. And, and so there's a lot of you know femphobia. There are a lot of preferences that are thrown around, but one of them that was usually seen as, as okay, is, is preferences based off of race, um, and people tend not to cause, call that racism. They call that uh, preferences. I've, I've seen uh, profiles that uh, even went to, so far as to say, uh, squinty eye, no reply, talking about Asian men, you know, really, t- really terrible stuff. No blacks, no femmes, no Asians was also a, a refrain that you would hear a lot on on Grindr. And in, in having conversations with, with people uh, about these, uh, oftentimes it's, it's not completely clear to people why those preferences might not be great. Um, the place where systemic racism uh, comes from in the U.S., it's based off of uh, stereotypes. It's based off of not knowing the people that you have, that you have uh, uh, ill will towards. All of those really um, conspire in, 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 in sex and dating as well. So for the same reason that a police officer might be threatened by a black man that's holding a cell phone and thinks it's a gun or the same reason why a bank might say that a black family isn't uh, as uh, ready for a mortgage as say a white family of the similar qualifications are that can also extend to to dating in which you know a person of a certain race might not be worthy of, of of love or suitable as a partner um and all of those really really come from the same place so as a part of pride um I like to personally uh, reevaluate my own sexual preferences and I encourage others to do the same and really interrogate what those actually mean and where they where they actually might come from. And one really easy thing to do uh, and I like I like to tell people is to diversify even just your friend groups uh, because it's really it's really hard not to see, have uh, humanity in others when you when you get to know them on an intimate level, and the easiest way to do that is to make more friends. <laughs> so right. yeah, I, I think an important part of Alice Shep during Pride is to evaluate these prejudices in the in the gay community and really um, interrogate them and, and try to try to change them.
5: Yeah, that's amazing. And honestly, I I really think that the incredible part about that is is that you're not you're not saying just like that somebody needs to be willing to like. Um, sit at the table because, you know, it's always fine for us to sit at the table. It's, it's somebody has to be willing to come to the table in the first place. So be willing to come to the table and then sit with that person and really get to understand them and feel them out so that you bring that humanity, humanity to that person as well. And, and start seeing more of the similarities instead of the otherness is really the big thing Um, because at the end of the day, we are all people Yeah. (laughs) and it, it really doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's more about the value of that person's integrity than it is, you know, the shape or color of their skin or anything, really. Yeah, yeah,
8: yeah.
6: Yeah, and while this is a specific problem in the gay community, um, I think, I don't know why... Uh, gay white men have like some higher privilege in our community to be so vocal about those things in the way that sometimes straight people aren't at least on dating apps but one of the solutions I offered when I did a speech about this was uh, looking at your tinder matches are they proportionally representative of the population that you're swiping against and if they're not I think you brought this point up like you really kind of have to ask yourself why and where the root of potentially even your subconscious comes from um, when you know picking potential partners.
8: Yeah, so I even I've done that and I'm you know definitely I'm not high and mighty here I I, I, no. I, I, I scroll through white 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 and I, <laughs> and that there's there's something going on there and all, all of these um, forces that are operating on us that you know we'll see movies with you know two white romantic leads and we see that over and over and over and over and over again and uh, we'll see uh, TV shows in which uh, you know a, a strong white guy is is uh, shown as you know the ultimate love and the ultimate catch all of that has to has to you know go somewhere it, and, and it manifests itself in our in our own day-to-day preferences so it's even people of color i think including me we have yeah. to we have to look at these these preferences yeah
5: that's really really a great point and honestly thank you so much for bringing that to the table for us and thank you for offering your experiences as well i mean it, it's really honestly just great to have you on and, and share with us Thank thanks. you for your vulnerability. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Well, thanks for joining us, Chris. Um, we'll go ahead and start uh, heading over to our next guest here. This guest actually came to us as a referral from Brian. Um, he is a friend of Brian's. Uh, they, them are a friend of Brian's. I, I apologize. The guest that I'd like to bring in is George. Hi, George.
4: <laughs> Hello. How are you? Can you hear me?
5: Yes, we can hear you. How are you doing this evening? Hello, <laughs> uh,
4: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Um, Happy Pride and Happy Hump Day.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we are nearing the weekend and it's so close. (laughs) Um, Yeah, thank you for coming on with us. It's really important to have you here. Um, I am so thrilled that we we get to have you talk. You sent me this amazing message. Um, I kind of asked you, for a bit of your self identity, and and I got this whole like interesting wall, and I was like, this is a very dynamic person. This this person has so much going on in their life. So please go ahead and take the floor, and feel free to um, you know let us know how you self identify and tell us about yourself.
4: Well, my name is Georgia, and um, I use the pronouns they, then they and they, there, and. As an alternative, I prefer no p- pronouns and worst comes to worst. I have uh, gone by he, him, his. Um, and I'm a, a genderqueer person and also uh, an immigrant. My, I guess my official visa status is legal alien, uh, which is kind of like a funny way of labeling us. And I am a taxpayer just in case that the IRS is tuning <laughs> in and listening to this um, important, important PSA. <laughs> yeah I mean, um, for me just being I guess like under- understanding myself as always kind of outside of or under having my identity be always understood nearly as as an opposition to uh, some of the mainstream I've always kind of uh, faced some of uh, some pushback and suspicion and doubt even five years when I started to understand myself as not a man as a result of the research that I was uh, doing and explored. I started this whole journey of self-discovery that really has spanned several years and still goes on, right? Because this is kind of like an ongoing thing for many queer people. Um, And I feel like the first uh, time that I've in experienced a little bit of that doubt and suspicion was through dating and uh, not really understanding uh, what it is that identifying yourself outside of the binary entails and um, receiving comments such as you don't really know yourself or you're going to understand yourself in a couple of years or you just um, want attention or Um, you're confused and don't really know who you are, which have all been kind of like invalidating comments that um, have oftentimes happened from people within the community and people that either I was dating and sometimes even at work. However, during that journey, I oftentimes had to come back to myself and really uh, get reunited with that first motivation to even say out loud that I don't identify as a man and and start interrogating what does that mean for me of course just with like all many queer people I feel like I have a membership for therapy and although I deliver it too it's just very much of a necessity in coping with all of these kind of pushbacks and these um, power structures that you need to understand yourself and you need to kind of like find a stable ground to stand on in um in reaction to in response to all of these kind of like told this questioning from um, from the mainstream. So that was kind of my journey of uh, getting to uh, really be myself without the pressure of proving my identity to others. And also starting to define for myself, what does that look like? And then also making the negotiations, as I also tend to say, that our identity is sometimes a negotiation that we have with the world. And it can come as a result of what is the status of safety that we have? What is the support system that we have around us? So for many pe- queer people, the coming out process will really be a privilege and something that is not something everyone can access. So with that, even with pride and celebrating all of our diverse colors i feel like the message can be too that we have patience with people who are still building those support systems and building those resources around them to create a kind of a nest where they feel comfortable and you know blossoming into the water wonderful peacock or whatever other type of bird they are Um, (laughs) and it's for for me also kind of like understanding that oftentimes i've had to pass uh during my time even Uh, Even as a, as an immigrant, I feel like I oftentimes come across as American, and even that was done um, understanding the biases that people oftentimes have and how to get ahead. Like oftentimes from queer community and people beyond the queer community, I've um, experienced kind of questioning on why I'm in the U.S. and whether I'm uh, coming here to steal resources or come for jobs that are not made for me. And moving to the U.S. at the time of Trump right after Obama, uh, not to make this political (laughs) or anything, I feel like just by my appearance, my political ideology is obvious, but um, (laughs) I, I I did experience difficulty in trying to also... Uh, pass in ways that will make me seem more legitimate and professional. And I feel that, that kind of those um, threads of competence and professional professionalism and passing and ability have often come up um, in those two identities because people will question you if you do not either fit in visually or in, in your behavior with the rest of the crowd. So I I would like to remind also people that during um, time of pride, we can also question um, how can we create spaces together uh, with allies where we don't need passing and we don't need strategic passing and people kind of like activating their identity at times when they feel comfortable and safe and then passing with whatever is normative at the time. So inviting allies to help us create those spaces and um, so that we have um, less pushback on how we identify and how we present in the world.
5: Absolutely. Yeah. And I love what you said about like having the sense of security as well to to have that space and to have that um, ability to be comfortable in their identity. It's really about like really trying to maintain that atmosphere where we don't have to feel like coming out is even really a thing anymore. I think that that's kind of the end game, right? Is that like, if we are all so understanding and accepting of everyone, it's just like, well, this is how this person chooses to identify. And this is how their, their identity is true to them. Like, then that is for them. And that has nothing to do with me. And that's a beautiful thing. And just accepting people as they come to to us.
6: I think that's interesting. I We talked about the privilege of being able to come out. Um, but then in response to you, there's also a privilege with this future state worldview of not being able or not coming out at all. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even like with my family, my expectations, I would show up with a guy and no one would bat an eye, but there's an intense amount of privilege in knowing that I would be safe and if my parents cut me off, I'm financially stable and don't have to worry about what they would think. So it's interesting, like even when you think of like the stereotypical gay agenda, what we want to get to right now in the status quo, so many of those things, necessitate a level of privilege that most people don't have access to.
5: And that's what I always tell everyone too, is that I had the privilege when I was coming out that I was able to tell my parents like, hey, this is, this is what I know about me and this is what I'm telling you now so that you know that as well. And I was able to be accepted by my family. I didn't have to worry about you know losing my sense of home, losing my stability when that happened. And like that's just not the privilege that so many people have. Um, so letting people know also in, in your immediate surrounding, friends, family, whoever they are, that like they have that security with you can be such a hugely impactful thing on their life. And I think that that's such a great thing that you really touched on.
4: Yeah, For many people, it's going to take some time to get there, right? Yes.
5: Right. Well, um, that was a really amazing thing to uh, bring to the table for us. And again, um, we appreciate the beautiful part of the rainbow that you've brought to us today. So thank you for giving us your time. It was really amazing having you with
4: us. Thank you for having me and happy Pride. Happy Happy Pride! Pride.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so our uh, next guest that's going to be with us here is going to be Victoria. And uh, Victoria came to me a little bit last moment, but uh, we're going to bring her in to talk about some of her experiences. So if we can, go ahead and bring Victoria in. Hi, Victoria.
9: Um, yeah, hi, Victoria. Um, I am, identified identify as she, her. I am a heteroromantic, asexual person, woman, lady. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and if you want to get in more into detail, there in within the ace community, there's different ways to describe your, like, attitude to sex or like and whatever. So they ranges from sex favorable, sex favorable, sex neutral to sex repulsed. I'm sex neutral, which means that I can take it or leave it. I will do it for like my partners, but I'm it's not like something I want really or crave, but it's not something I like hate either. So um, there's a bunch of bunch of like different ways to describe that. And I guess I go with sex neutral. I guess, so about, like, intersectionality and, like, minority d- entities, I'm Asian, I'm Chinese, I'm also ace, Um and I guess, like, it's a really interesting intersectionality, because being Asian, there's, like, two parts to it, one of them is, like, growing up aceness felt like the norm, because you're, like, oh, yeah, you're supposed to, like, not be interested in dating and then when you're just dating you're supposed to just date and sex is not on the table and i'm like great right i don't understand why <laughs> this is a concern like this makes sense right this is
5: normal for me <laughs> yeah
9: and then um so this is i'm heteromantic which means that i like guys so like i like kissing guys and I like hugging guys and i have crushes not really cr- i don't know i get, I guess ace crushes are a little bit different when, like normal people crushes but like not normal people but like allosexual people crushes but um Anyway, there's that, and then on the other side, you know, there's like as an Asian woman, you're like, oh yeah, like yellow fever, like everyone's like, oh, I want to try it, Asian. Which is, girls, please never try that or think about that. <laughs> it's really nasty, and we we are not your like, you know, your like toy or whatever. So um, yeah, there's those two things about being Asian, and then on the Ace side, there's a lot of stuff there. So there's like, it's really interesting. So the bonus biggest thing is that there's like underrepresentation because there's a lack of exposure because it's like. Because most ace people also tend to have a romantic orientation, you're like, oh yeah, I'm like, just like everyone else. Like, I'm either like, you know, straight because I like guys or like straight or like, you know, gay or bi or whatever. But the thing is, there's actually like a different dichotomy between romantic orientation and sexual orientation. And so just because you like one gender doesn't mean that your sexual orientation is the same. And you can illustrate this even more extreme example there are people who are like you know homoromantic heterosexual or heteromantic homosexual in which case that's like that's like really split and they like I guess they probably identify as like bi but that's even more complicated but yeah there's that so then there's that so there's a lot of people who don't know so a good example of this is that a lot of the, my closest friends and the people I've dated are somewhere in the ace spectrum. There's gray sexuality, which means you, like, are sexually attracted once at a blue may, moon, maybe, like, once every five years, once every ten years. You know, it really depends how you want to def- identify with the label. There's demisexual, which is, seems to be somewhat common, which is basically that um, you only get sexually attracted to someone after you've known them, or, like, not known them, but, like, really emotionally connected to, with them. Imagine, basically, like, no one turned you on until you've been your boyfriend for, like, you know six months or something like that is basically demisexual or like or you have like have this friend that you've known for like two years and like you're sexually attracted to that friend but you're not sexually attracted to like your friend that you've known for like one month um that's like just example so it's just that there's a lot of different ways to do it um my a lot of types so of really close friends is demisexual i my boyfriend is demisexual, and he didn't know this until I told him that I was ace and I told yeah. him to look up what it was he and then we we're talking about it, and he was like, by the way like I think I'm dummy, and I'm like oh
5: oh
9: okay this is really awful
5: (laughs) this makes a lot more sense okay we can play with this now we we know where to go with this now
9: (laughs) yeah 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 I mean I kind of like suspected because I'm like "Mm, you don't seem to be approaching this like the average dude Mm -hmm. so yeah um but I think that there's also a lot of people like while dating that they have a lot of questions about it so i usually like to have the person get to know me first before they you know start making assumptions about like what i do or what i don't do or like whether it means i'm prude or like whatever you know um <laughs> I, there's been different ways this has manifested one of them has been like back in college i was like Na- flirting does not come naturally to me because I'm like I'm not a flirty person I'm just like I'm your friend or like I'm just gonna <sighs> hang out with you like I'm like I, I like you because you're like a cool friend and I wanna like you know whatever but then like or right. like, and <laughs> they'll be like oh yeah you're like you're just like a friend to me and I'm like oh and I basically figured out apparently my mistake was I didn't know how to flirt because that doesn't come naturally <laughs> to me but I mean that that's not something that all these people have like this is just exclusive I guess like I this is just a problem I have personally or I- something I've seen personally there's also erasure within the LGBT, sorry, erasure in general, but I've noticed that it's especially prevalent via the LGBT in the LGBT community, which is kind of sad. Um, so erasure is basically saying, like, oh, you're a snowflake, stop giving, like, titles for things that no one cares about, and no one cares about, you don't fuck, like, you're not experiencing any oppression. But no, this is legitimately, there's, like, struggles that ace people have, like, being medically diagnosed as, like, why don't you have a sex drive, like, libido is different from attraction. Because people can, I don't know, it's, there's a lot of memes about this. They're like, you know, like the dog that's like, it's like, it's like horny. No who, just horny. That's basically like how some people experience it. (laughs) So like, there's a lot of different things. And then like, I don't know, this erasure about like, the the pride movement is for people like who can love who they love. No one's gonna judge you for not loving like anybody like, you know, but there's a lot of other things like, I think like, in some places, they won't rent to like, friends, they'll only rent to couples. And I think that's like, part of it. Um, Mm. And there's, like, the medical thing. There's a bunch of, like, different things that um, I luckily haven't had the struggle of dealing with, but I know that other people in the community have. So there's that. So I guess that's, like, a brief overview of, like, the main things. Um, To be a good ally, um, I think the biggest thing is enthusiastic consent is extra important. Not, like, you can't generalize and say, like, an ace will or won't fuck you, but, like, (laughs) a lot of them, like... Like like but like I think that like they have to wa- want to be willing to do it, whatever reason it is. Um and like I think a lot of what, times what happens is they try to like peer pressure you and say like, Hey, we've been dating for three months, why won't you fuck me? And I'm like, I don't want to <laughs> Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna you but I don't want to And then like you know, stuff like that. So so I think that's important consent is extra important and like and then also communication of preferences and expectations. So like if you know upfront that you're like not really a sexual person, you can say like I sex is not a big thing for me and like I don't like people who pressure me into it. Stuff like that is really important and like talking about that is really important and really helpful. And then another note I have is there's also another thing that I am not a lot of people or other people are, have is called aromantic which is basically they don't have, they don't like, like anybody. They're just friends with people. And that could come in different forms. There are, there are aromantic sexual people and there's aromantic asexual people. And um, they have their own struggles and I can't speak about them because I'm not one of them. But that is another thing to consider. No, that's
5: amazing. um And this is that's actually part of the reason why we wanted to really offer the floor to everyone and not really make this just like a... A banter back and forth for the most part but really to allow you to speak your truth on things is because mm-hmm. we wanted to have that representation um, we did not want to try and speak for anyone else and put words in other people's mouths mm-hmm. um so i think that that's amazing that you even touched on that about aromantics um mm-hmm. you know you said i i don't identify as aromantic so i can't mm-hmm. speak to it and that's why it's been so key having people like you on here victoria because mm-hmm. you really touched on a lot of brilliant things that none of our other guests were able to do so mm-hmm. and i <laughs> i can't do that um <laughs> um, so thank you so much for sharing those really intimate parts of of how you know you love and how you date and and mm-hmm. it's really amazing for you to bring that to us
9: yeah there's like a thing i saw before that was like you can have love without sex you can have sex without love you could have you know there's different ways to do it there's like you know all the different ways to love so it's like even aromantic people who have i guess love in their own ways like friend love so one other thing oh one other thing worth mentioning there's something called a queer platonic relationship um which is basically why you think about is kind of like a, you know back when you were in like school and you had like, your best friend like best friend forever for life specifically like that one person you have like forever for life that's basically I think the essence of like a queer partner it's like someone it's common for ace people it's also common for aromantic people but basically it's like one person you pick to like share your love with and it's usually like a you know basically said her like a best friend you would live with them and you like be each other's like emergency contact you might like you know even choose to raise children together there's a lot of different ways to do it but um, that's another thing so that's also another valid uh, form of relationship that I think is not commonly
5: discussed. Yeah thank you for bringing so much terminology I'm just going to read some of the chat comments here because Mm -hmm. we have them but I mean UA said so many new terms I wasn't aware of Julie chimed in as well and said yes I learned so much from you Victoria Um, you know we're really just uh, really had Happy to have so many of these. It looks like Julie also said you can have sex without love and love without sex. is It's really amazing quote. It really is, you know, just a fantastic thing. Um, so again, thank you for bringing so much to the table for us. Mm-hmm. I know you had such a limited amount of time. So thank you for really, oh, yeah. I love it's it. <laughs> Uh, I love it. It's so great. (laughs) Well, thank you. this is why I was so happy to have you on when you messaged us. And I'm really Mm -hmm. glad we were able to get you in. So Mm -hmm. thank you for making time for us, Victoria.
9: Thank you for having me and feel free to message me if you have any questions.
5: Uh, I I definitely will. Thank you so much. (laughs) Happy Pride.
9: Happy Pride.
5: Our next guest is uh, one of the community members as well. So um, I'm going to go ahead and bring that guest on now. Um, It is Amy. Everyone knows Amy, hopefully. Hi, Amy.
3: (laughs) Hi, everybody. Um, So I'm Amy. Um, I'm a white cisgender woman. Um, I go by she and her. And I am also bisexual. So here to bring that part (laughs) of the rainbow. (laughs) Um, So there's a few kind of particular challenges with being bi. There's a lot of challenges that I think we've already seen a lot of people share um, who are under the pride flag and there's some kind of unique things to being bi and some that are, I don't know, shared with a lot of other things. But hopefully um, if people are still tuned in, if you might learn a little bit of something to help you to be a better ally, um, but also maybe you might learn something that can help you be a better partner to either a current or future bi partner that you might have. So one of the things I want to bring up is Erasure, um, which Victoria already gave a beautiful intro to um, and covered fairly well. Um, but basically, representation matters, and the world, I think, is becoming, or at least, I don't know, Western culture, I should say, is becoming more embracing of the fact that there's not just straight people. Like, straight, I think, is still the default in a lot of media that we consume, um, but it's opening up. But one of the things that I see a lot is that it's, okay, now there's straight or there's gay. Yeah. You can be one of those two. Those are great. You can do those two things, um, and that's really, really limiting, um, which is also something that, I think. I think we heard in what Victoria was saying. There are a lot of options. There's a lot of ways to be. There's a lot of ways to love. There's a lot of ways to just live in the world and experience relationships with other people. And it's kind of interesting how many options aren't really represented. And bisexuality is definitely one of them. Something, a scene that I see frequently in movies and T V shows is there'll be a heterosexual couple that goes somewhere and for whatever reason the guy goes off to like go get them drinks or something and then he looks over and sees his girlfriend is chatting with some guy and he gets all jealous and upset, which we at Datable know that that's probably not the sign of a healthy relationship. <laughs> but we'll move past that. <laughs> um, he goes over and the guy who was chatting up his girlfriend goes, Oh no no, there's a misunderstanding here. Let me introduce my boyfriend. And then that's it. That's all that's said. Everyone goes, Oh ha ha ha, what a funny thing um, obviously a misunderstanding. He has a boyfriend. He's obviously gay. He's not hitting on the girlfriend. Maybe might be. <laughs> he <could> be yeah.
5: <laughs> maybe there, maybe he's opening up to a
3: throuple. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, don't make assumptions. You never know what's going on.
5: Also, totally not advocating for further jealousy either. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs>
3: Um, but someone, if there's a man with a boyfriend, he might be gay, he might be bisexual. If there's a man with a girlfriend, he might be straight, he might be bisexual. Like, if I'm dating a man, I'm still bisexual. If I'm dating a woman, I'm still bisexual. If I'm dating someone who's non-binary or genderqueer or anything else, I'm still bisexual. And that's still a really important part of my identity. Um, and it's something that I didn't realize was part of my identity for a really long time just because it's not really presented as an option, um, I was in my 30s by the time I really kind of came to terms with the fact that I'm bisexual, and that was such a freeing thing and just kind of opened up a big part of my life. I was in a relationship at the time um, and still wasn't going to like go outside of that relationship. We were not monogamous and I was happy with that. Um, But just knowing that about myself was really freeing. And it took me a really long time just because the default is heterosexual. From the time I was a kid, I knew I was attracted to guys. So I just figured that's what I was. And now it's really nice to know that, I don't know, there's... More out there, I guess. There's another aspect of myself that um, I get to explore. So, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of options for ways to be. I kind of want to highlight that. Um, Victoria was saying that a lot as well that we really kind of narrow ourselves down, and there's pros and cons to the labels that we give ourselves. And some of the pros are that, you know, the queer community can be a really incredible place where people talk about a lot of things that a lot of P straight people don't really talk about, Um, investigate and are curious and are open to things. And so those labels can help you find community. Other people who are experiencing things the same way that you are or in a similar way to what you are, but they can also be a little limiting. And I think that there's also a resistance to, you know, it was kind of weird to come out in my thirties. Like everyone I know A lot of the people in my life have been there for a long time, and it's kind of weird for them to say, okay, well, this was how I always thought of you, but there's something different there now. But I think that... As we learn more about ourselves, um, and there might be a lot of people, hopefully a lot of people, going and investigating some of these words and terms and things that we've been throwing out there today. Yeah,
5: a lot of information. Yeah,
3: (laughs) Um, Learning some more about yourself. Like, maybe you never thought about whether your romantic attraction is the same as your sexual attraction. Like, that's an interesting thing to explore. And, Mm. you know, people might be learning more about themselves or more about their partners or other people or whatever. Mm. You know, just don't be afraid to embrace that or try it. Or, you know, you can be straight one day and then have a realization about yourself and then, you know, be bisexual the next day or whatever else, you know, life is a process of growing and learning. And this is an area that isn't an exception to that. To kind of sum up that point, just remember that bisexuals exist. Um, it's important because we might be hitting on your girlfriends. But <laughs> for this next thing, um, we're probably not hitting on your girlfriend. <laughs> um, Kind of the pushback that I get most about being bi, if I'm dating someone and I, you know, mention that I'm bi or bring up to them, make sure that they know. There's a couple of main reactions that I get. And one of them is wild insecurity about, oh my gosh, you're bisexual. I don't think I can satisfy you because I'm only, you know, what I am and you want everything. You want more than that. That's a pretty big assumption to make. (laughs) And I'm not going to speak for all bisexuals. There's a spectrum and people experience it in different ways. But generally speaking, most bisexual people or pansexuals are not walking around horny for absolutely everybody that they meet. Just like if you're straight or you're gay or you're anything else, you're probably not also attracted to every single person who happens to be the gender that you can be attracted to. Um, It's a matter of you can be attracted to everybody, not you are attracted to everybody. (laughs) I think pretty much everybody has types that they go for. Um, and that's true for bisexuals as well, for the most part. And uh, the other thing that I get a lot is, um, particularly with guys, I think just because of the socialization that we get and things from media. Oh, great. Let's have a three-way. I am bisexual. Yeah. yeah.
5: Not... <laughs> no, I don't want to have a threesome with yeah. you and someone else.
3: <laughs> um, not everyone who's bisexual feels the same way. I am bisexual and also extremely monogamous like not gonna have a Mm three-way with you this is not like an open invitation to like i don't know fulfill that (laughs) particular fantasy and i know that that's something that a lot of bisexual women in particular get a lot on social um not social media but um like dating apps and things is if you say you're bisexual on there then you're gonna get a ton of people coming in and going oh my gosh fulfill my three-way fantasy and there might be some who are open to that like cool good on them i'm not one of them please don't assume that everyone who's bisexual is one of them so that's fun
5: yeah amy you touched on a lot of great additional points that Victoria did not bring um, as well So, and that's again one of the reasons why we wanted to have kind of these open intersectionality points here because while Victoria did touch on a lot of really amazing things, you brought some amazing stuff to the table as well. Um, Janice in the chat you know, you can be attracted, not you are attracted to everyone um, or not everyone, but both male and female Um, those are just like some key things again, having these um, different vantage points from our intersectionality is so important and really keeping to have these conversations with everyone um, is why, you know, it's so important to, to keep this conversation going. So, um, thank you for your time and, and bringing everything that you brought with us today. Happy Pride! Yeah, happy
1: Pride!
5: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well um, in the aspect of keeping everything uh, going here, um, we're going to move into just the last part here. I'm actually going to open it up to Matt. I've done a lot of talking and I don't want to talk everyone's face off, but Matt and I actually come from a subset community of H. HIV positive. So Matt?
6: Yeah, we do. Um, Oddly enough, it's one of the things that drew me to Ryan's Grinder profile. Uh, (laughs) It it, it is this adorable (laughs) face, but it's something that we have a lot of discussions about and we've each had kind of unique experiences um, with uh, finding out we were HIV positive and how we confront it in our own lives. And especially for uh, the gay and trans community, it's something that's kind of been ingrained in us uh since we came out for example my parents didn't care that i was gay the first concern they had is oh my god you're gonna get aids and die which um ryan and i are living examples you can take your one pill a day be perfectly healthy uh yeah (laughs) um but that's kind of the uh crafted reality that the straight world has created for us. And I think oftentimes it creates a lot of fear and anxiety uh, of something that now is is much more manageable. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of systemic struggles being HIV positive. Uh, for example, if you say that at work, you could be put on uh, an ADA list since HIV is an ADA uh, compliance subset. Uh, In addition, there are a lot of states that have extremely restrictive laws, and the state we live in, Ohio, is one of them. So obviously I would never do this now, because I have him, (laughs) um, but Ohio's laws pretty much state that if I were to go on a first date and I wanted to start making out with a guy even, um, I'd pretty much have to disclose my status. And if I don't, uh, it's a class two felony that can get me up to 20 years in prison. It's not based on transmission. It's not based on intent to transmit. It's just the fact that I have a disease, which again, because I'm undetectable, I can't pass on to anyone else. Uh, and really the frankly homophobic power structures that create the laws uh, that place those restrictions on us. Um, and that's something that the the gay community or the gay agenda, if you will, um, is starting to address. They realize that the HIV AIDS epidemic did not end in the 80s, even though it's much more manageable now. But they're trying to take away some of the systemic or structural injustices uh, that that community faces as well.
5: Yeah. Um, and a couple of points that you kind of touched on there, I think is really amazing is A, yeah. We've had very similar experiences in the uh, coming out process, uh, coming out, um, where like that was a primary concern with my parents as well. But another point that you kind of touched on was that like uh, ability to have this disease that is supposedly, you know, the life ending disease. Right. But here we are living proof. Um, I think I'm pretty healthy. I you're pretty healthy. Yeah. Um, we both take our medication, So, you know, we're we're medication compliant.
8: And um,
6: can you explain a little bit about what U equals U means?
5: Yeah. So um, actually, this is a really cool thing. Uh, the CDC officially came forward um, because it w- refused to take a stance on this for a while. Now they have. So basically, when you take your medication, um, you have what's called your viral load in your body. And that suppresses the virus from reproducing in your body to a point to where it becomes basically undetectable in your blood. Um, when they take your blood and they test it for the virus, um, they either can't detect it at all, or it's, um, kind of fluctuates between what the number is, but most people operate on the less than 20 per volume they measure. So essentially that means you are at an undetectable status, which means you are untransmissible. So U equals U means untransmissible. You cannot actually give the disease to someone. Um, before they used to believe that, you know, okay, if you like have sex with somebody or, um, you expose your blood to someone, even if you are undetectable, you could transmit it. Um, after tons of studies that they've done um, and research behind it, they have been able to certifiably say, okay, if you are taking your medication, you're medication compliant, you're undetectable, you cannot transmit the disease to someone. Um, so I could literally cut my hand and put it into a cup, not that I would ever do this because that's wild, but um, and have someone drink it and uh, they wouldn't be able to pick it up for me. At least by the CDC standards, the way we understand the virus, that should not be a concern. Somebody who's medication compliant, not somebody that you should be afraid of or worried about. I'll never forget, I was out with um, some friends and a friend of a friend took a sip of uh, from a drink after me. And then I had to have a discussion with them to explain like why they shouldn't be afraid of getting HIV for me because they took a drink from my drink. and. It, it's, it's, again, it's that education thing. I was willing to come to the table to meet that person and, and kind of quell their fear and uh, bring that understanding. And that's kind of one of the big points of everything that we're doing tonight is really helping making sure that we're operating not just allies outside of the community, but allies within it. Um, we are all allies to each other, advocating for each other. And that's actually one final point that I wanted to bring up. Um, I host a charity walk. Um, there's going to be some information that I'll be posting on my personal pages about it, but it is to benefit. HIV treatment and testing in the local community here in Dayton but um, if anybody is interested in uh, participating in that in some way you can do so virtually it will be happening in October Um, I won't speak too much more about it there I'll just leave it at that but I would love any support from the community any kind of donations or time or just participation is all appreciated um, because it does go to advocate for HIV positive people in the uh, local Dayton community here where I'm from but that being said, uh, we had a lot of really amazing people come and share their stories and experiences. I wish we had so much more time to share with everyone. have already taken so much of your time already. You know, it's so important that everyone is willing to kind of sit down and watch this and enjoy hearing everyone's stories with us. Um, we'll go ahead and invite Julie and UA back on. Hey. <laughs> hey, Julie. Hey.
0: Oh, I'm still here. Okay, I'm here. (laughs) You guys, hopefully here soon. This was so amazing. I just want to say, like, I have personally learned so much. Thank you so much for leading this. And thank you to all the speakers that came out tonight. You all, like, were, again, just, like, the right mix of, you know, entertaining, but also insightful, educational. Like, we all walked away learning so much and really, you know, supporting each other in this community. I got to say, I've
1: been part of a few Pride talks in the last week. And this was the most informative. This I learned. I I was like, "What am I gonna? What's something new I'm gonna learn in this one in the next hour?" I I have an ongoing list of all the new information I learned, and just I think it's just so enlightening to hear this talk about identity because I, I guess like for me, Amy talking about the default being heterosexual. It's true. Like we all default to that and we can't, there's a shift going right now. And I feel it. And I feel like this is no longer the default. And it's, it's fascinating to see the shift. And I'm so excited for what's to come.
5: Yeah. And I think that's all thanks to all of the diverse uh, people that we were able to bring on. And again, I just want to thank everyone. I know Matt is as well appreciative of everyone. So thank you all so much for coming and sharing your experiences with us. Thank
1: you, Ryan and Matt, for for doing this entire talk. You guys need a spinoff show. That's what Julie was texting I me was,
5: about. I was.
0: I was. <laughs> okay. So, shall we wrap it up in true dateable fashion all together? Let's do it. (laughs) We got to give it a stay dateable at the end, right? (laughs) Everyone at home, do this also in your homes. Yell it from the rooftops. (laughs) Stay Stay dateable! dateable. (laughs)
6: Happy Pride!
1: Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable.
2: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership.